Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Against the Grain podcast, where we discuss woodworking and the business of woodworking. This is episode number 27 for July 12, 2018. My name is Justin Napama, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Freddie Roman. Good afternoon. And Guy Dunlap. How are you today? I am fantastically hot and sweaty. How about you? (laughs) I'm sitting here in nice air conditioning. It's wonderful. Well, it's air conditioned now, but man, outside the humid is high. Humidity is high. Yeah. Oh, it's insane. It is insane. It's not super hot out. It's just humid as can be. Um, Yesterday, which was Sunday, the UV rating where I was at in Massachusetts, it's 8.5 out of 10. It was intense. It was amazing. I didn't know they had a UV rating now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really? You got to go yeah, outside, guy, to worry about it. Outside. To cut the grass. Yeah. To get the mail. To get the mail. Walk the dog. <laughs> walk the, walk the, the dog. Yeah. And that's not the yo-yo trick. It's actually walking the dog. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> walking the, the, the little four-legged furry thing. What's the dog's name? Abby. Oh, boy. Now everybody she, knows. She must be fierce because only Abby's <laughs> I know are fierce. Uh, yeah, she's, she's vicious, man. She's horrible. <laughs> you don't want you don't want to get too close to her sometimes. And how much does she weigh? Uh, ten pounds. I was going to say ten pounds. <laughs> yeah, that's good. If they're vicious, that's usually what they are. She's putting yeah. she's putting on weight. Oh boy, <laughs> we gotta get her on Jenny Craig. <laughs> we got some special low carb dog food for her. Oh boy. She's got to lose that pound. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what's going on guy? Uh, other than walking the dog and trying to get her to lose a pound. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the honeydew list. I, I guess, what? I, I guess I just did, but anyway, oh. so I've been working on that a little bit. Um, I've, I made the top for the uh, Demi Loon table I've been working on. And, it was a good uh, video. My wife and I watched it. Oh, really? She stayed yep. interested the whole time. Really? You did something uh, right. I wish most people, other people, <laughs> paid that much interest to it. It, it, it It's pretty standard stuff um, for that type of um, design. It's a starburst or sunburst top on MDF. But I did it a little bit different because most of the time when you make those, I've made a couple before, you put the border on it. The border is actually veneer that goes around it. And then you wrap it an edge and you put a piece of hardwood strip on the outside. Um, this is a little bit different and it has a, uh, the whole border is hardwood and it's all fitted to the outside of it. So I, I, that's in that video. Yeah, you saw that. So um, that was a little bit different. And uh, it was a lot of fun to do. It was, it was, I'm really glad I had that new circle cutting jig to do it with. Because it yeah. came out perfect. Yeah, it was pretty slick. Yeah. I think that's one of those other pieces that you can drop ship to people. Mm. Small radiuses, put it in a box, crate it, send it all over the United States. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty small piece. It's only... Mm-hmm. 26 inches wide and I think 14 or 15 inches deep. So I'm, I'm looking the U line catalog right now. There's boxes that fit perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, I'm guessing the next video is going to be on 
how you hang it and everything or no? Well, the, the, it's actually pretty much done right now. Um, the, the next video will be doing the, uh, inlay between the solid border and the field. And I also, um, cut a medallion that goes in the center of it. And the medallion is, uh, segmented also. Okay. Why do you put a medallion? Uh, because there's a hole from where the circle jig was attached. So, um, I did it that way. Plus it looks cool. Mm -hmm. And, um, I put the finish on it and I did pop the grain. It was a real popping of the grain, not, you know, water-based poly on walnut and go, Ooh, but, uh, the, uh, and that's for the tiger maple that came out really nice. It's, it's not real loud, but, um, it's, it really looks nice. So I'm pretty happy with it. Awesome. Good. And uh, I did go to, there's a place in Indianapolis called Purposeful Design. And I think I've talked about it on the show before. It's a faith-based organization. And what they do is help reintegrate people that are down on their luck back into society. And they do that by teaching them how to woodwork. Okay. Um, so they're bringing in people from, you know, there's a place in town here called Wheeler Mission, which is obviously a mission. Um, but they also bring in uh, people that have been recently released from prison and um, bring them in. And they also have an outreach program for troubled youths. And uh, that's what I did today. I, I actually sat in a uh, class where they brought in a, a bunch of these kids. They were, you know, anywhere from the ages of maybe 16 and 19 years old. And they're inner city kids. And we talked to them about, you know, the getting on the right path and things like that. And they're going to teach them how to do, you know, woodworking, the basics. And then after they're done, they'll get a certificate. And then they will help them find jobs. The whole thing is sponsored by some very large corporations here in town. Um, but the main, I think a lot of the money comes from Purdue University. And uh, Festool is a big sponsor. Everything there was Festool. Nice. nice. You know, they had a pretty big. With the best. Yeah, they had a pretty big training room that I was in for the classes. And it was, you know twice as big as the footprint of my house. And, uh, they had about, uh, I think about 20 benches set up and each one of them had, you know, a, a festival dust extractor and a couple sustainers on top of it. And it was a pretty nice place. The facility itself for the production shop is a little over 20,000 square feet. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they just, ba they yeah. basically build tabletops. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I wonder if that's a good or bad thing. In other words, in, in my mind is those kids are learning to work with the best tools there is. And is, are they going to look at everything else? No, so I mean, the, 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 look? the tools that the tools that were on the benches were mostly sanders. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, the stuff they have out in the shop is a real mishmash of stuff. There's a lot of gri okay. old grizzly stuff. Um, they do have, I think, two new saw stops. Uh, they have a real nice SCM uh, time saver 
Um, nice. Yeah, it's a big, huge beast of a machine. But most of what they're doing is they're making tabletops. So you've got a company that's based in here in Indianapolis. I'm sure you've heard of them, uh, you know, Lilly Corporation. Um, so that's one of their big customers. So they're making tabletops for, you know, their lunchrooms, uh, conference tables, things like that. You know, and Eli Lilly, they've got three facilities here in Indianapolis and I mean, that's just one of the companies. So there's, they're just building all this stuff, but I said a lot of tabletops and they've got, I think nine or 10 full-time guys working in the production shop. But what they're teaching in the class is just basic woodworking. This is, okay. this is how to four square a board. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is how to make a rabbit. This is how to make a dado. This is how to join two boards together. That kind of stuff. Yeah, all the basics. So it's just the basics. It's just the basics. But along with the basis of woodworking is there's a lot of, uh, like I said, it's a faith-based organization. So there's a lot of um, uh, talk about, you know, community and, you know, service to your fellow man kind of thing, which mm -hmm. I like and it's kind of cool. But it was, it was a really good day, really good people. All the kids were great. They were very engaged, so... Uh, I'm going to be involved with that sometime in September, helping out. Yeah. So beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Freddie, what do you have going on? Oh, like you, Justin. Today is extremely hot. Yeah. That I was happy to be driving in traffic because I get to sit in the AC. So that doesn't happen very often. I, uh, I, go ahead. I was going to say I had the same type of day. I did lots of driving around today, and was okay <laughs> with that. So what's going on with me is um, basically I have like five weeks and I'm on vacation for two weeks and I got a lot of stuff I need to cram in these next five weeks. One of them being that we should start framing for this condo uh, at any moment, like when the phone rings. Hmm. And then I am finishing up a set of like retrofitting some doors, making some door uh, drawers and new shelving pullouts for these office cabinets. They just keep coming in. Like they just have more and more cabinets that they want to get retrofitted. So uh, I'm doing that as well. And I am trying to streamline or cut back on restoration. And the reason why I say that is because I've come to the realization. It, I thought what I had for skill was just... I screwed up so many times and I just picked myself up and tried something else. And what I'm starting to figure is that not many people can actually pick this stuff up. It's actually much more difficult than I realized. And, you know, the quality that people are looking for, not many people out there are willing to put the time or they're slower than molasses. And so for me, it becomes more of a bigger stress because even though they think the job is done in actuality it's not good enough for what i'm charging or for what the client expects and i have to constantly be on top of these people or constantly say faster slow down what about this what about that you know it's not good enough so are, are we talking about your employees in the shop yeah in general okay okay you know that's that's what's what's happening it's that you know um i understand that speed isn't everything but when there's a budget then, you know, things need to go ahead and adjust accordingly. And it's not no one's fault if they're slow, but hopefully they'll quickly pick up, you know, they'll notice 
you know, get they'll get a uh, like a, assume a match is striking on their behind, and and you know they got to just you know giddy up and go. So I I come to the realization that you know it's easier to find people to cut sheet goods and screw and nail cabinets together than it is to find people who know know how to rub something out and uh, shellac something. So I'm kind of switching gears a little bit in my business and really focusing on just cabinetry and millwork and all that other stuff. I still do restoration work, uh, but it's more of like, it has to be this much amount of money because it takes this much amount of time. And if it, if you say yes, great. If you say no, thank you for the opportunity. Right. Find someone else. Hmm. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. That is a complete shift in what you were doing. Yeah. Cause the restoration is such a specialized skill set. Mm-hmm. As compared to what you know, like what I do and and what uh, Justin does. Well, you know the the other thing is there isn't that many shops locally. Like recently, I saw on someone's Instagram post that they ordered some custom made cabinets, and a pair of cabinets were were one inch too tall. And basically, what's going to happen is they have to wait four to six weeks to get the, that section taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, that's why a custom shop is where you should have gone because I would have just jumped down on site, take the track saw, cut them down, reassemble pocket screw. It's done an hour. So there's more demand for this smaller shop, quicker turnaround, less time waiting because usually these guys have installers that they can use, people they can spray on site. Uh, so it makes things more efficient. All I would actually have to do is maybe prime them and fabricate the items and you don't need that much space. And if you set up with a fest tool and everything else, it's really easy to get these cabinets manufactured. Yeah. So, but I guess my question is, and cause I'm not familiar with your area. I'm mm-hmm. uh, not the market anyways. How many people in town are doing restoration? Well, you know what's the funny part with restoration? That's a great question, Guy. Because I'm, I'm just trying to allude to the supply and demand kind of thing. Because yeah. before it sounded like you were so busy because you were one of the few guys in town that were doing it and the demand was mm-hmm. so high. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a high demand and a low supply, I mean, that you're sitting in the catbird seat. Right. So there, there is, a, there is a, a high demand. But once you start looking at the paperwork involved, the amount of time you have to come and communicate with the client, the, the back and forth, the scheduling of pickups and deliveries, and it's all worth it. But it's just once in a while, it's just, it just keeps piling up because clients don't make decisions or, or, you know, they're on vacation. Well, good for them. They're on vacation, but I still have 50 chairs or items I need to go and I still have bills to pay. And, you know, I have to wait until they come back. And so, there's all these little bumps in the road, which is fine. But after a while you do the numbers and by the time you wait and deal with all of it, was it really worth it? And right now it's a buyer's market. So furniture is really easy to buy today. Mm-hmm. And people are having a, sometimes have a hard time uh, investing the money necessary. So I'm not complaining about work. I have four to six months by myself uh, of backlog at least. Uh, but what I don't want to deal with is, uh, I've dealt with 638 transactions already this year. 
And that's a lot of transactions. And there's been a lot of times that the client comes and visits and discuss color and comes back and visits to discuss sheen and discuss fabrics. And you just start adding all that time up. And yes, you can add it down to the piece of paper, but in the end, you really are not getting ahead on your backlog because sometimes the backlog involves only me because I have the high enough skill to tackle the advanced projects. Which that's probably your biggest issue there. Issue there. It's the fact that it's you doing all of that as well as the finishing. When whereas if you could just stick to that stuff and have somebody else handle the other side of it, the finishing, Mm -hmm. you would not be having this issue. Correct. Or if you just handle the finishing and let somebody else handle the customer. Yes, correct. Those are all viable options. And I was going to also say this. What about if you have somebody you paid fifteen dollars an hour just go pick the furniture up? Um, that's that's too far. That's no, no. That's another option as well. But the problem with that is the customer wants to see you, and you're ready at the site, and you're ready communicating with them. So uh, you're there. So why not just load it up versus saying someone's coming around. Uh, but yes, I, that is a possible option. Or you're, you're um, dropping, they're dropping stuff off and the customer has a question. The guy's gone. Oh, I yes. don't know. I just drive exactly. the truck. And then the other issue is um, e- even with repairs, it's just like some of these guys, they have the approach of like, this has to be a masterpiece. And they're slowly like, m- like massaging the wood. And that's a little bit too much. And then you got the other guy that I think this is sharp and it's just hacking off material. And it's kind of like, can I not just find someone in between? Like, and, and while people say, oh, you know, there's people out there who want to do this. When you, when I try to talk to them and I tell them the, you know, the atmosphere, you know, they really don't want to be paid that small amount. Uh, You know, so there's, there's always an issue and, I, I got got to go ahead and test them first. So yeah, and I think you got to keep in mind though, and which is the issue I have a lot here is that it's taking you what 10, 10, 12 years to get to the point that you're at. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna have somebody else has to invest that same time almost to be there. Yeah, it, no, it's it's bringing on somebody green that has to learn all that, right? Which is the, your biggest issue right now. Well, it's or not even when there. when you hire someone that recently graduated from a school or is graduating from a school they have the foundation they know what all the machines are you know it's just kind of like you would think uh, things would go a little faster it's and you know it could be that they're hesitant or whatever else and i'm not complaining because it's less stuff that i gotta go ahead and do but it's just one of those things that i can't have someone for example out of randomness you know take three hours just to rub down a piece of furniture mm-hmm. it's just it's just like, it's like 15, 20 minutes. We're ready to put another coat of finish on it. It's like, you know, go ahead and clamp something. Once you do something else, go back to the clamps, unclamp it, continue like that process, just like running around and being really efficient because time is money. And and it's not fair to them that they don't realize that or uh, it's not maybe fair to them because I'm only paying them $20, $25 an hour and there's a lot of work to do. But it's just... It's just part of the game. It's just I pay. I got paid less, and I was expected to do so much. Uh, so I kind of expect them to do the same thing. You know. So. Huh. 
it's 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 it's, it's a challenge, you know. And you, I'm, I I I wonder when you got out of school, you worked a lot with Will, right? Neptune. I worked I worked with Phil for two years. Phil with for two Neptune mm-hmm. for two years. So I I would be curious to see you have a conversation with them to see what they thought of you when you were at that point. Well, I did with Phil. Okay. Um, what one of the reasons why I got hired with Phil is that I was really good with the machines mm-hmm. and that, you know, if I, I never Phil sometimes wish that I slowed down a little bit mm-hmm. because, you know, he would say, you know, you would just go ahead and be like, bring out the belt sander versus, you know, take a few strokes with a hand plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I have that mentality. Maybe that's my fault. It's like they're taking 10 strokes when maybe you should just dial that in, and take four strokes and don't chip away at, you know, a few shavings at a time, you know, mark it, go to the chop saw, cut a hair over that line, maybe chisel it, nail it, glue it, done. You know, it's just kind of, yeah, I, I, and I'm sticking up for somebody and I totally agree with you. I am mm-hmm. work faster. That's just the way the whole construction field was that I grew up in. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's one of those things you have to learn over time, I think. Yeah. But and, and it's not, it's not fair to them and it's not because I'm putting that much pressure. Uh, but, and it's not fair <sighs> for the craft, I guess you can say, because everyone says, you know, you got to go ahead and teach the next generation. I, you know, I, I, I think I disagree with you there because mm-hmm. if you think back, I know I think back and it, I had it hard. It was, you, you got your, for lack of a better term, you got your balls busted. Right. And it was, yeah. it was always, and it was always, especially me because I worked in a family business. My dad made sure that I wasn't the boss's son. I wasn't treated mm-hmm. the way I was because I was the boss's son. I was treated the way I was being treated because I deserved it. Right. No, or mm-hmm. I, I worked for that respect right and he always made sure that i knew that um he, yeah. he always used to yell at me or, or give me give me hell and tell me that it was probably uh, harder on you than he was on the other guys yes yeah he was harder on me than anybody else and he would tell me that he says i'm being harder on you because you're my son and because you need to learn this and these guys won't respect you unless you, you earn their respect right mm-hmm. and, and i did i uh, it, it took me a while but you know what what I think in the end what really is driving this if I have to just totally reflect is I reached a point now in my career that everyone says oh you want to do this for the craft you love working for yourself I'm reached a point it's like I'm doing it 150% for the money mm-hmm. you know 100 I love what I do and now it's like now show me the money mm-hmm. and now that kind of sounds you know greedy or whatever else but it, it's one of those things that you know I've come so far and I noticed that there's areas that are are more aspects of the field are much easier and they get paid a lot more money it's a lot less stressful you can be very productive i reach a point now i was like i have no problem doing that like i'm going to be framing in a few weeks the money i'm getting paid for framing it's a lot more than i would in, in my shop and i'm going to be getting paid great money to be doing this library and it's just like plywood screwing nails and and craig jigs and router router bits and coping stick it's mindless now and I get paid so much more money. So I'm reaching that point now. that's was like, show me the money. Don't rely on that. It's the first thing I can tell you. And the second thing I can tell you is it's mindless because of how high educated and skilled you are. Keep that yeah. in mind. 
because I, I, oh, I don't don't stroke his ego, Justin. No, it, it, it's <laughs> it's not because I I go on my dad's job site now and I see them doing things and I'm just like, why are you doing it this way? But there's there's other things that when it comes to like framing and you're going to find this out, Freddie. You're just gonna it's going to be you're going to be clueless at it, right? And then you're going to see other people doing things. And you're like, well, how can they make it look so effort effortless? It's it, it's it's not going to be. People think frame, framers are, are the low-level guys, which there is a lot of uh, helpers on the in the crew. But mm -hmm. the the lead carpenters are there's some very skilled people, which oh, you know, yeah, which yeah, you know, you know with, with anything that that goes along under the woodworking yeah. umbrella, there's so many different subsets yes. of that and so many different disciplines and we've talked about it before it's just like me you know i've i've been doing this for you know a few years but there's you know i've had people come to me and ask me to refinish furniture for them i'm like no right because i yeah. really it would take me five times as long just because i'm slow but because you know i don't do it all the time so my skills are not very good for something like that so right. you have to realize what you're good at and what you can do and you know in, in freddie's case you know what's going to require the fewest steps and have the highest payout right yeah you know and i can i can definitely dig that yeah i i'm not knocking you at all freddie i say oh, do no. what you can do which i know you are and i mm -hmm. well you know the the other thing is if if i don't know if many of you know this but i didn't come I didn't join this craft or, or I'm not where I am because this is exactly where I wanted to be. I 150% while in high school and in college, I wanted to be a builder. I didn't want to be doing furniture. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's, I've always seen that customers understand the investment of a new kitchen or a new bathroom or tiling or wooden floors. They see that they got an investment. There's an opportunity for um, money in return from what they put into a house. So budgets are bigger mm -hmm. and there's more understanding. There's less selling, you know, basically you guys just have to tell yourself that you're capable. The money, sometimes it's, this is what it's going to cost. And it is what it is. While I'm re repair, it's, I have to sell every single aspect of it. Yeah. It's a little more mainstream. So it's easy. Yes. And, and yep. they're, they're living with it and using it. Whereas a piece of furniture, you're, you're vaguely using it and it's yeah or they may, they may have had it for 20 but. years and have seen it sitting in that same spot every day it just right. looks yeah. nice now right exactly uh, but now so, but, you, you know, know you're, you're doing the building stuff it's like wow i've got a brand new kitchen it's mm -hmm. there's a there's a sense of newness to it and i think that a, a customer sees the value probably in that more because yes, of that 100 percent they do because the kitchen means a lot. It's the center part of the house and everything is reflected around it. And the same thing goes with entry doors or the staircase. So I'm just trying to adjust myself and put myself in those positions. Um, and, you know, I love having the shop with more than one person. But in the future, do I want to go ahead and have them around all the time? It's some, there's something to be said. And this is my shop, my mess. I control every single aspect of it. It's kind of going full circle. I enjoy having people in working, getting productive production done and being very productive. But there's a, so much headache involved with it that I don't know if it's 100% worth it or maybe 
I just haven't found the the position just yet how to make it all work. So it's all still new. Right. With these new experiences, you know, you quickly realize there's new tooling you have to invest in. So, you know, you always got to work into all of that into the into play to make mm-hmm. sure that you're staying very efficient doing something while also investing properly in the tooling to make everything go smoothly. We'll talk about this in a little bit because I think that goes well with today's show. But Okay. Um, what do you have going on, Justin? Yeah, I was going to say, let me just jump <laughs> on me real quick. <laughs> uh, lots going on last week. Um, still working on that little table. Been playing with the color and I'm now top coating it now. So I sanded it today. How do you then, top coat that top? It's so weird. With, with, with what, the tile in it? Yeah. That's pretty simple. You don't put the tile in until yeah. the end. Until <laughs> after it's I, all I finished. I didn't know if you were putting anything <laughs> over it. It's just like, so the tile can just no. be removed? No, no, no. So uh, once I, I'll pull, I colored it and cleared everything, and then the tile will get glued in afterwards, and I'll grout it afterwards. Okay. And then the grout won't stick to the finish or the, the wood itself. So that's that's the last thing I'm doing with everything. So right now there's no tile sitting in it and I tinted it, colored it, stained it, did all that stuff to it. Um, I think there's probably four layers of color on it right now I've done. So now I'm just putting the clear on top, but, um, what else? I, so I've, I've been playing with that off and on. And then majority of my time this past week, week and a half has been spent on refinishing that entry door that I did, uh, which came out really good. A lot of work. It was two and a half days just to strip the thing. And then I stained it. And when I stained it, I was able to get a coat of clear on it and it sat over the weekend. And now I just keep going back twice a day to, to put a coat of clear on. And then at the end of the day, I clean up and go home for the day. What are you put, what are you putting on as a top coat? Uh, right now, this time around, I am using, it's right here. Where's where did it go? I asked you on Instagram, but you never replied. Yeah, I, I feel kind of, I feel kind <laughs> of you know, left out, shunned. Yeah. Yes, shunned. Yeah. Thank you. That's a good word. Uh, I am using Top Coat or Total Boats um, Glem Gleam 2.0 Spar Varnish. Hmm. Uh, it, it's it's pretty nice. It's it sprays nicely, um, and then you can re- do like three coats a day of it. Hmm. You're spraying it on site? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, we're good. Yeah. We, what do you what do you do with your doors? You usually brush it? Uh yeah, most of the time I brush it. Okay. Uh but this time I was thinking of using some sort of spray. The mm-hmm. reason being is that I can there's so many compartments and having to rub all that stuff out. I like to get a little bit more control. That's why I but spray. Yeah. The issue I have is that it's downtown Boston and sometimes like the wind with the buildings, they can really rush in a whole bunch of air. And that's the other concern. It's like, I need something that kind of dries relatively quickly because I don't want it to be too sticky and then become gritty from the wind. Mm-hmm. So I have all those. This concerns. stuff, this stuff is pretty nice in about half an hour. It's probably good enough that nothing's sticking to it. Wow. I'm going to have yeah. to try it out. Yeah. I, I seem to like it. And then it's like, you can put a couple coats on a day up to three a day. So, and you don't have, have to ask. sand. You don't have to sand between it within 48 hours, it also says. Wow. Yeah. So what are you spraying with? Uh, I just got a little uh, mini mite Fuji. 
Uh, which four one? Stage. Four. The four Six? stage. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, and I've had that since the beginning of whenever I started spraying years ago. That thing's probably five, six years old. The wow. vacuum doesn't even sound too great on it, but it doesn't seem to affect anything. <laughs> it's making some noises, but mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it's it's pretty nice stuff. And the other reason I went with it is that I mean, it's a spar varnish. Uh, it just says you can recoat it after it's, it recommends every year to recoat. Okay. And then uh, it also it just they claim that it's going to hold up pretty good. So we'll see. Um, today I went there and the sun was beating on it. That door got pretty hot. Exactly. Which yeah. I mean that's but also it's I mean I'm, I'm hoping this stuff holds up. We'll see. I, you know my concern with that is every year my client in Boston does not want me to be there every year to recoat that. These people don't care. They offered okay. me a bed today. They said, you want to just stay here? <laughs> You're here so much now. Didn't you but, say you've like, done it? This is your third time? This will be the second time of stripping this. It's third time finishing yeah. this door. Second time stripping it. Yeah. And I, that's the reason I, I'm trying this stuff is in the hope that next year I can go back and I don't have to strip it. Um, I, I don't ever want to strip this door again, but mm-hmm. yeah. At least, at least you have a system down now. I guess. I wish it was faster than that, but after seeing Freddie, I mean, it takes how long does it normally take you to strip a door? Well, if I can take it off the the hinges, it probably takes uh, less than a day. Uh, but this one that I'm on currently, I'm on it like 16 hours already. Yeah. Are you are you using strippers, or are you doing it all scraping it, and that's it? Scrapers and scraping. That's Stra- uh, scrapers and stripping. All right, so you do use a stripper? Yes, oh, yeah, I use see, a. I, go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I was gonna say I I sanded it and just scraped all the detail moldings and everything. Mm-hmm. That's how I got everything off this. Yeah, a lot of the moldings that I have um, um, has has these little beads, and I can't like uh, scrape those really well. And the stripper I'm using Benko B4 is called. Mm-hmm. And that stripper is has a semi-paste uh, factor to it, and I can kind of like wrap like a little bit of plastic over it and tape it in place so it doesn't uh, evaporate so quickly and dry so quickly because of the heat. And that usually really peels all that stuff out really nice and clean. But I still have to chase it with water and a brush, make sure everything's, you know, um, not going to continue to react and uh, make make the wood punky or soft. So right. I kind of have to stabilize it. Um, and then what, do, what are you going to top coat this door with? Um, I was going to do a spar varnish, you know, I was going to see about possibly spraying it depending on the day. Cause the thing is it's all concrete around it and it's really coarse. It's been really hard to find some sort of tape to really bound or bind everything together mm-hmm. nice and clean and tight. So if I can't find something that would work then I'm just going to go ahead and brush it. So I, for this one, I ended up just getting regular masking tape and there is a caulk joint around the door, which mm-hmm. I was able to mask to that. And then from there, I just mask off with 12 inch wide paper. And then that's how I control everything from there. Awesome. Yeah. And then I just taped the whole threshold off them. I left the tape there the whole time. They're not using the door, but so yeah, between that and then I started demoing my other house. This, that was over the weekend, actually. So I don't know if you want to count that, but and then finishing the bedroom in the, this house. So lots of housework going on, and I think this week I'm starting the uh, the secret bookcase. 
Nice. Secret bookcase. Yeah. yeah, one of those secret doors that opens in a yeah. bookcase. I'm going to start on that this week. But that's what's happening. Cool. Um, we got any? Freddie, we have a finishing minute for you, don't we? I think we do. Yeah. Barry Daniels at head at. Where is that one? I just sent it, didn't I? Yeah, should be did. the Sorry. top of your emails. <laughs> yeah. No, I got a whole bunch. Uh, so it says the flaw, the following. It says, let's see, make sure Barry Daniels. I built a table for a client for a Christmas present. I asked them how it was doing, sticky drawers or, or any gaps, et cetera, any simple concerns. He mentioned, as in the client mentioned, someone, not me, in the house didn't use a coaster and a ring was left behind from the glass. I told the Barry said he would go ahead and repair it at no cost. And that's very nice of you, Barry. Especially since it was a gift. Exactly. <laughs> My question is, I use shellac finish on the piece. Thinking about Freddie's comment about four coats of shellac and four coats of varnish he uses. I will incorporate this into the repair of the table. The question is, what varnish does Freddie Roman or Freddie use or recommend Barry? So I, I like to use a spar varnish because it's flexible. Um, it's a long oil. It's not a short oil. And it can withstand a lot more abuse. When it comes to spar varnishes, you can do epiphanes. You can go ahead and do old masters, quick drawing varnishes you can do a water locks varnish uh those are really the main ones i like to use now there's a lower end grade at home depot called hellman's which is basically owned by minwax uh, minwax and that one that one works it's just i feel like it's too watered down so if you were only going to apply four coats really probably acts as one and a half maybe two so the consistency isn't really thick Compared to say like Epiphanes is like molasses and Old Masters is in between those two. But any one of the ones I just listed, but the Minwax Hellman's are the ones that I would use if you want not a recall on this. Now, obviously, there's a open time regarding how long the finish actually takes to cure. Usually oil finishes oxidize and get stronger over time. And usually the, the saying is it takes about six months minimum. So there is that concern. So you want to really inform the client, like, listen, I have a lot more protection on the table, still sensitive for, say, six months. Be very cautious. Uh, make sure you tell your friends to use a coaster. That's why they were invented and hope for the best. Good. And that's my minute. You actually stayed within this time, huh? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that was more than a minute, but... It's okay. Was it? It's oh, closer. Geez. We're we're making <laughs> progress here. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <sighs> maybe maybe we're gonna have to get a Freddy's framing minute <laughs> eventually. Here. <laughs> we're bringing out the Ram set today. Uh oh. So, so uh, what, are we gonna do the topic? Is this your question that you shared with us in our structure today, Justin? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, little. R&D, I was wondering about that. And the only reason, uh, research and development. Um, 
it's kind of like a twofold question, uh, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about it where this came to my 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 mind, I guess, when I was working on this little table for the customer, where I kept designing all these different legs and the the process I was going through to figure out what I wanted to do because the customer just gave me a blank canvas and said more or less all they wanted was a little side table and it should have this tile top. They didn't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. So I spent probably a little bit over a day just figuring out what I was going to do with the base. And I it, it's funny because I had the original idea in my head and then none of that looked right to my eye. So I just kept fiddling around with different ideas until I made something that actually looked really good. But um, there's no budget here. And I, I, my original thought is that the customer should not be charged for me trying to figure out something that I feel like looks good in my head or my mind or whatever you want to say, my eye, to then be charged for what I actually built them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you were doing a lot of experimentation though. So it, that's, yeah, that's a very good way to put it. They should not be charged for experimentation. Yeah. They should be charged for what they are getting. I, I personally feel that way. Yeah. Um, now in, in the same sense, I, I do think there's times when if it was agreed upon, you should be charged charging a customer for R and D. But in this, this facet of it, I don't think so. Um, and I, I do want to talk to you guys also about R and D is in the sense that they should be getting charged for it. And this isn't all money, but it's just the idea behind that whole R and D that's all. Yeah. I guess it really depends on, let's say, you know, you've, you got a customer that asks you to make this piece for them and you haven't built anything like that before. So now you've got to spend, you know, a half a day whatever it is, just trying to figure out the design of something. Um, you know, A, where do you get inspiration from and, and to, to get it into your design? And, you know, B, like you said, do you charge the customer for that? I, like I kind of just mentioned, it, it goes back to, I think had this customer given me uh can't think of any words. Parameters. One of them times. Yeah. Had the customer give me any more parameters? Like, hey, I want a table with cabriole legs that has a, I don't know, a ball and claw foot on it. It needs to be this big and it has a tile top in it. Well, okay. And then I think me de- then developing a leg for all that, that I know that there's those parameters, that's fine. I, I would have no problem at all saying, hey, I spent four hours trying to figure this leg out and coming up with the patterns and all that stuff. That's, that's part of it. But where they said, we just want a tabletop side table or a tile top side table. Well, I don't think I should be charging them to develop four different legs that in my mind didn't look good. Whereas they, they had no idea I went through that much work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was me experimenting with it. So now I will say that once I came up with the idea for guy's tapered leg that he said to do right? just keep it simple i then that whole process of uh, i'm going to charge them for the process of designing the little template for it and then doing all the uh inlay that i've done on that leg and everything that's they're getting charged for all that not the stuff yeah. that i threw away but um you know some people out there will say that you would 
take your time or tally your time regarding how much time you spent and then say half of it they have to they'll be charged because you were left with a design opportunity mm -hmm. but you're still trying to deliver a quality design and for you to be able to determine that you had to spend time trying other things out to see what would work and this is the end result so maybe not all of it but half of it four hours mm -hmm. i hmm, we might have talked about this somewhere else um this is one of those ones where it goes back on to it's a previous customer which I, I, yeah, I agree exactly with what you're saying, right? I should be paid for my time. And we've always yeah. talked about that, but it's like, can you charge somebody $500 on top of a little tiny table that you just can't hide that in? Had this been a $15,000 project? Yeah. You can get away with it. Right. Yeah. Now, when you put it on a little, I don't know what this, this table is probably going to end up costing them $1,500. I can't add another $500 to that and then say, Hey, here's your little $2,000 table. Right. <laughs> They just, yeah. they, it's just not there to, to justify it. And then, uh, it's, I'll never hear from them again. And I want to hear from them again yeah. and I will hear from them again, but. Uh. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like, since this is a repeat customer, mm -hmm. maybe it's okay. There's that option of saying, you know, maybe you mark up a little bit more on the materials to justify a little bit of your time, you know, or. You know, you charge a little extra if you want to go ahead and deliver it just to make up a little bit more of your time. There's always ways around it. Now, I understand um, you just want to get paid for your time and, you know, you want to take advantage of someone. But it's kind of one of those things that as a regular customer or as a regular person having a normal job, you get paid 40 hours a week. Right. And unless you're on salary, then you don't get any overtime, but if you're not on salary, then you get overtime. So you kind of have to weigh that out. And it's a, and it's a debate with amongst yourself. Should I charge? Should I not? And it's a hard decision. And you just hope that the person is happy and they'll come back again. What well, what would you guys do? Yeah. I, I mean, put yourself in my exact shoes and then. If, if I was in your you shoes, but not how I run my business, but if I was in your shoes, and we talked no, no, about no. this before. Let's let's say how you run your business. I, w put yourself in my shoes. This is a customer of yours, and you're dealing with the exact same thing. I would just take, I would still figure, and this goes back to the accounting practices thing. You know, mm -hmm. I'm still going to pay myself regardless. So if the job comes in at a much lower profit margin because I had to pay myself more, so be it, but I'm still going to pay myself the, the right, the correct amount. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, so Freddie was talking before, you know, I've got to pay myself 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week or however you figure it. Um, and then, you know, that money just comes out of your, your bank account to pay for it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would handle it in your shoes. If that makes sense. Right. The other way to look at it is kind of how I really look at it, which is just, you know, I'm doing this for a, a good customer and I want to do it right. I want them to be happy with it because, you know, they've given me a lot of business in the past. They're going to give me more business in the future. They're going to give me referrals. I want to make sure they're happy. 
So if I've got to spend, you know, an extra day or so in the shop to make it right, I'm going to do that regardless of anything else. I've got to make, right. I've got to make right. my customer happy because it's a, it's a customer I want to keep and retain. Which is mainly how I'm looking yep. at it. Yeah. And that's the 3000 foot view of it. Mm-hmm. Freddie. Yeah. Freddie does, Freddie, Freddie does have words. You know, <laughs> wait, 27 shows. Uh, it's, it's a hard one because the, the size of the number of the overall project, right? So that makes it difficult. Yep. But the way I can reference this is a designer, an interior designer. They get paid for putting things together and stepping back and saying, hmm, this may not work. Let's try this again. You know, and then and go back and forth. So, what? Wh- why is it different from you designing legs and saying, "Hmm, I like this, but I don't think it'll work. Let's try something else." You know, sometimes experience will get you done things done quicker. You may get to the end result faster, but it's still a process. And uh, I want to say yes. I want to charge them the two fifty instead of the five hundred. Yeah, and and that's just part of the game. But that's the other reason what makes furniture so hard mm-hmm. is that it's hard to get people to ju- understand and justify your time. So the only way to do that is to educate them. That, Listen, my time is worth X. And unfortunately, I spent this amount of time trying to come up with what I felt was the right design. And I would normally charge you a thousand dollars, but I feel that that's not right. So I cut that in half and said, I'm spent charging you 500. Mm-hmm. I hope that's okay. Another way to do it too, you know, just stepping back from it for a second, um, is just to put a standard charge with everything you do of let's say X dollars for, you know, design work. And if the customer asks that, well, you know, I have to sit down and figure out how this goes together and this goes together and this goes together. So you can justify it to the customer. Some Sometimes let's say you put a number on that of, you know, $400, just for instance. Sometimes you're not going to use any of that money mm-hmm. to do the design work. Other times you're going to use more. So it'll all even out, but just put it in as maybe a surcharge with everything you do. And that way right. it'll cover your time when you have a situation like this. That's a good one. Just a random yep. passing thought. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's what's the difference between cabinetry and and furniture. I feel like overall stature of a piece, a cabinet looks so much bigger than a small table. Mm-hmm. You can almost visually understand, like, well, yeah, it's a lot bigger. I can understand why it costs extra. While you have a small table, and you look at it, and it's like, well, it's beautiful, and I love everything about it. Boy, that's a lot of money for a small table. This, yeah, this goes back to our. Well, I can't remember what show that was that we did where, yeah, the little table and then a full dining room table. And it's like, there isn't much more work in it, but I can charge a lot more or you can get the person to understand why you're charging more. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. or maybe, you know, yeah. something like this, you know, uh, and, and again, I was just throwing that out as an idea, but you know, you could use a, some kind of a staircase where, you mm-hmm. know, pieces under this much get this dollar amount design charge 
mm-hmm. pieces that are in this area get this much and just do it like that where it's a right. percentage or even maybe a percentage of the, the total cost. So let's say you've got a piece that's, you know, $20,000, you've got a $2,000 design charge in there where it's, right. you know, 1% or 10% mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever, whatever the number is. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth at it because there was that I had the opportunity of making two sofas. And I think I said this last time or, or several episodes ago and the Kai wanted me to continue going over the design and putting more time into it. And it's kind of like, well, I'm not getting paid yet. Like, you know, it takes money for me to spend time. And the guy was basically saying, well, I don't want to invest the money yet because I don't know if I don't like your designs. And I'm kind of like, well, you're coming up with a drawing. I have to come invest my intellectual, you know, knowledge into trying to come up with something that you would enjoy. So either you have to pay for it or you have to find someone else. Mm-hmm. And he went and found someone else. And that's fine. Uh, but then I saw on Instagram the guy who got the job uh, and he's investing in samples and he's investing in gold CNC samples and gold leaf samples. And yet he did not know if he was going to get the job. And I'm kind of like, that's a lot of risk. I'm all set. He did end up getting the job, which is congratulations. But he was still unknown mm-hmm. of, of the end result. So it's kind of hard sometimes. Yeah. No, and, and it's it's a wishy-washy area of our business, which is the yes. biggest problem, right? But yeah. Now, the, exactly. the last company I worked for, um, we did a lot of very, uh, a lot of stuff that had required a lot of very um, complex technology, uh, electronically speaking. So every time we sold a job, uh, when it was quoted, there was always an engineering fee. And sometimes we used all that money and sometimes we didn't. Most of the time, you know, the salespeople never put enough engineering time in for it. But, um, you know, that goes back to what I was saying before, where you're just putting in a, a, a charge for every project. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, this, this conversation is not going where I hoped it would have went yeah. with as far as the show itself, but, um, I, I, I find it's personally, and I think we'll all agree on this. It's harder for us to go through this process of putting prices on things like that and then giving it to a customer. Whereas only because we're small, whereas if it, we were a big corporation, it's just like, yeah, this is it. This is how it is. It, it's just part of the operation. Whereas I, I, I don't know. I, and maybe that's just a mental thing that, that I have. And maybe a lot of us have is, I don't know that it's, I'm trying to think of an example. You, you go to Roto-Rooter and you're, it costs this, 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 and this, and that's it. That's that. They just give you the checklist. Just like you're talking about guy. You're mm-hmm. it's a major company and that's how we do, do things. Whereas if you go get a local plumber and he says, well, uh, I'm going to charge you for this and this. And you're just like, oh, but yet you had a higher road route and it would have been done and easy, right? Yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah, um, well, you know, one thing you have to remember is a plumber char- starts charging the minute he leaves his house. Maybe a plumber was a bad example. But, you know, well, I'm <laughs> it, just saying it's, it's actually just, a great example. Right. Yeah. I think we should take that into consideration that, 
the minute they start working on something, they don't know what they're coming to. They still may have to rearrange things and come up with a, a result that needs to work for you to for your plumbing issues to get resolved. So we need to make something work to make your design be what you want. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that as you become more established, that you are that corporation in the beginning mm -hmm. with very low overhead, then maybe you can sacrifice some time until you get more established. But as you get more and more experience, I think it's like, this is what it charges. Yeah. You know, this is it. I, you know? I have another question. So I know you have a backlog, Justin. Mm -hmm. How far did it set you back? Did, let, me, let me rephrase that. Did it create any issues at all with your backlog or your customers spending the extra time to make those legs the way you thought they should be? No. Okay. So, and, and the reason why I, I guess I, I, I may have said this before, but I have a backlog, but it, it's just set so far out that I tell people mm -hmm. that stuff like this is built into it. Um, let, let, now, let me, the, let me, ref, let me rephrase it again. Then, did it set your personal schedule back that much to take the time to do the, the development of the leg? No, uh, I'll say really what it did set back is, and I don't look at it this way, but if you, how you should look at it, it set back the weekly paycheck, I guess you could say. Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, and just like you're talking about before, did it, did it really hurt me? Uh, it hurt the profit on this job. That's really what it hurts yeah. more than anything. Which in the end, that's all that matters is a profit. Yeah. Which, yeah, well, you're exactly right. I, I, I don't know if I'd say that all that matters is profit because there's a certain amount of, if you just look at it completely, and I understand that that point of view where profit is king. Um, we all got to eat. We all have to put a roof over our heads. But there's also times where you have to do things that, you know, in a case like this, you'll never have to go through that process again, Justin because now you know what works and what doesn't work. It's almost like a, it's a stepping stone. It's like yeah. a teaching moment for yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's just personal development. And I don't think you can really put a price on personal development, especially as, you know, it, as, it, as a, as a craftsman. It, I, yeah, I agree. It goes back to what we were talking about with Freddie earlier and him hiring somebody and, them taking their time figuring it's it's all part of that yeah um, i guess i'm just looking at more is, philosophically than you know i no i i totally agree with you i think it's that's a huge part of it and it's this this in the long run this adds to me being able to theoretically it adds you to be able to charge more for your experience right mm -hmm. but I don't know. Now, all right, so let's let's take this conversation all along the lines of what you were talking about before the show with me, what I meant about the R&D. Because um, you, you weren't looking at it on this, the way that I'm looking at it is trying to get paid. You were looking at it. I was researching how for design for the anything. actual project itself. Okay. Yeah. You know, like where, like I said, where do you get your inspiration from? And once you get the idea in your mind's eye of what you're going to build, 
how much research do you have to do to actually get to that point where you can start, you know, cutting boards up? Well, for this one, it was a day and a half. (laughs) 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 I, I mean, I think every single job's different. Um, I don't even know how to answer that. Do you? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I'll just take an example of this this table I'm working on right now. It's, this table is, is for my wife, and it's to fill a certain spot in our house where we have a, a demi-loom table with legs. This is actually floating. It's going to go against the wall. I just screwed right into it. But, you know, before I decided to build it, I spent probably two or three hours online you know, doing Google searches and image searches and stuff like that and saying, you know, okay, I like this on that and then finding something else and okay, I like this idea. And then, you know, collecting pictures, putting them on a folder and then taking a look at them and saying, you know, picking the best, the things I liked about different Mm -hmm. things and then coming up with a plan. Um, mm-hmm. and that's part of that. That's my process for a lot of things I do. That is, the I, exact I rip, process. I rip other people's ideas off well, it, and it, kind it, of throw them in it, a blender. It's the exact same process. I tell my customers when I go through, go online, grab a bunch of pictures, find things you like in those pictures, and then we'll figure out how to put them together and make your own project out yeah. of it, which is more or less what you're doing. So, all right. So th- there's two hours spent there, right? Um, if this was a customer, this is how do you get paid for that? And I'm kind of bringing that full circle on me again, but that's, that is the R and D that I was speaking about. It's like, this is something that has to happen for you to get to the spot where you're building something. Right. And when you think of it along the lines that Freddie was saying, designers get paid for that. Right. But we, do we? And yes, you should, but yeah. So when you're, um, when you're doing your quote, know that, you know, in the back of your mind that you're going to have to spend two or three hours to get the, the, the design, right. Right. And you build that into the price. Right. And it depends on how big, it might be a really big project where you may have to spend a day doing the design work and you, you know, you build it into the price. All right. Now, uh, another way I was looking at this and this hmm, should have been built into your pricing, but it probably isn't. Um, or or it, it isn't. It's just one of those things that, uh, let's go back to the whole, and you and I have both gone through this, with the Blum hardware. Mm-hmm. How do you figure that one out? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, you're, you're just spending time trying to figure out, first off, which hardware you want to use. And this is after the whole job has been, set and roll and everything's going you you know what this is going to cost you and the next thing you, know, you just spent i don't know you like you said you spent a couple hours just trying to figure the hardware out for that thing which should you have done that before you were doing everything i don't know but well here's it's here's like here's to even go one step further you spent time out of your day yeah me twice i'd say between yeah. the two times maybe an hour of your time yeah did you send me an invoice right. for that? Would you send me an invoice uh, yeah. for that? <laughs> Do you want an No, I don't coming? want an invoice for it. But I guess what I'm <laughs> saying, I'm I guess what I'm saying is, you know, there's <laughs> it's it's in a in a perfect world, 
it's very easy to say, I want a bill for every minute of my day. And there's, there's things you just can't bill for either because, which is yes. uh, for whatever reason, you know, we don't, we don't mm-hmm. live in a perfect world. So there's times where you just got to take it on the chin and say, you know, this is, I'm doing it to help a buddy out or I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do or what, whatever, whatever reason that is. So I, I, I think you have to, you have to play it by ear. Every situation is different. And, you know, I, I think you just have to make a lot of, you know, I use this, this word last podcast we had, you have to make a judgment call. Mm-hmm. And every situation is, is unique in some, in most cases. Maybe I'll get a free dinner out of it. All you got to do is come to Indianapolis. Eh, we'll see. <laughs> Eventually, right? Eventually. <laughs> Something will happen. We'll all get together. Look, do I think this is a, a conversation that we can get an answer to? I don't, but I think it was worth talking about mm-hmm. that for sure. Um, it, it was just an idea that I had that I thought we should discuss more than anything. I don't think there's any real answer to it. Yeah. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to it either. Right. I think it just depends on how you want to approach it. Well, you almost wonder if, if you can do the same thing with, I need a tool for this job. And do you charge a client for that tool? I don't need it until this job. And it'll make my job so much easier and I can charge less in the end to the client. I usually say I'm going to charge the client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about it and I, I, I agree. Now it, it depends what the tool is too. We all know that too. Mm-hmm. I could go buy a time saver right? because I got to no. do 10 tabletops, but yeah, I mean, Maybe, it, I, I, I don't see anything wrong with you. Let's say you add, and I'm just throwing these numbers out there. Let's say there was 10 tabletops and you're like, oh, I'm going to get a time saver. Well, all right, you guys are going to pay me a thousand dollars towards that time saver, right? Gotcha. hundred percent. You yeah. know, I got, I, I said it, I think once before I needed a track saw to plunge cut really deep into this bar top. Mm-hmm. There was no way they didn't want to do They didn't want me to do the top over and it's all, it was too expensive to remove the columns. I charged them the fest tool, a uh, large track saw. I just charged them. I charged them the track as well that I needed extra. In the end, it was cheaper. And in the end, they were happy. In the end, I still mm-hmm. kept the saw. Mm-hmm. So, Did that help help answer your question at all, Justin? I was just thinking that thanks for this therapy session. Didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think if, if you want to do something about it is then when a project like this comes up again, you have to tell the client that there will be some time charge for design. I, I yeah, I think that's that's what I'm learning out of all of this, which yes. I'm not going to say I didn't know that. But yeah, I, I you're right. Because Phil always says that to the client, like, I'm going to charge you a design fee first. And then I'm going to charge you what the cost of the piece is going to be. Mm-hmm. That's it. And he does charge if you ha- if I have to look through hardware and everything else. That's part of the design fee. If I spend an hour looking to figure out what Bloom hardware I'm going to need, it's part of it. And, and, well, yes, and you know what? It's because Phil Phil at some point in his career went through this exact same situation that I'm going through now. Yes, and of that's course. why. 
Yeah. And that's, that's how you learn mm -hmm. it. Um, we just had the luxury of a podcast for people to probably pick up on it from us. Right. But hopefully we can, we yeah, hope. there's yeah. gotta be three or four people that are going to learn something. Yeah. From this. Yeah. That's out of the five or six people that are listening to it. Yeah. So that's right. pretty good. And three of them are us. Number. <laughs> so maybe guy will learn something. <laughs> no, nah, I'm too old. <laughs> Can't teach an old dog new tricks. Right. Yeah. Yep. Guy's got that social security money coming in. It doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, at least I'll be able to see social security money. Yeah, you're welcome, sir. <laughs> That's funny. All right. How about on the next thing? What's the next thing? The took of the week? You called it the took of the week again. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> see, this is why you guys are supposed to do this part. Uh, I'll just keep editing. The tool of the week for me, um, there's been a variety of different tools I've been purchasing lately. And the reason for that is just for efficiency and for pricing and uh, a lot of the newer tools, especially when it comes to Festool, they have a lot of uh, good dust collection mm -hmm. and uh, the accessories are very handy. So lately, uh, anything just about that has that green stamp that says Festool, uh, I've been loving. So I recently purchased a couple routers on eBay, the 1010, which is a small one, and a 1400, which I was very excited about. I bought uh, the new Rotex sander today because uh, I needed something that's more aggressive. And I had jobs that I know will be very uh, useful in, and I feel that by me having this sander, uh, I would gain in time, uh, so make myself more productive. So I've been investing a little bit more on that kind of tooling. Guy, how about you? Me? Uh, actually, <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. a tool I've had a long time, which is my small DeWalt router. I don't know what the, I think it's like a 611, maybe the number. A little four. one horse one. One horsepower. Yeah, one. it's just a, it's like a one and a quarter yeah, horsepower. Nice yeah. Now I've got an OF ten ten Festool and a, a fourteen hundred like you, Freddie. This this mm -hmm. one, I use it. I, I just realized last week how much I depend on that that router. I use it for just about everything. It's my go to router nine times out of ten. Uh, unless I'm, unless I've got a big bit, which I normally don't have in a handheld router, I use that thing all the time. And it's, it's such a, uh, prolific router in the, in the industry. Everybody makes accessories that fit it, which mm -hmm. is another nice thing. So that's my, my pick of the week. I do, I do inlay with it. I do, um, you know, I, I cut these these parts out for this tabletop with it. I, I use that thing for everything, and it, I've had it for about six years, and it just has never skipped a beat. I know it's not awesome. it's not it's not a very sexy tool, is it? But uh, eh, I might be able to top that as far as unsexy. But all right, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, today, I went and bought a new tool that I made two little cuts with it. And I'm impressed. <laughs> I went and bought a steel chainsaw today. A steel chainsaw. Yeah. 
Wow, I don't even think the I brand. know what a steam chainsaw. Oh, steel, steel. steel. Oh, yeah. There you go. I got you. Nice. Uh, yeah, I went and bought a chainsaw today because I got some trees to cut down in the new house. And then, I mean, eventually the, the master plan is to get a sawmill. So I figured might as well go buy a nicer saw. Nice. So that's what I did. Wow. And I awesome. took it out and made a couple cuts with it. Thanks. Hopefully, I have all my legs. I have, I have, <laughs> I have never right even used a chainsaw ever. No, nope. no, I've I've used a couple chainsaws throughout my life, but it's getting serious now. Uh-oh. And it's not a big sword. one; it's just a little. It's a little. Oh, one, okay. But. Do you have like the special pants and the the little special helmet and all that stuff to go with it? Not yet. Not yet. You got it. You no. got it. You have I to re- accessorize, Justin. Yeah, I and mean, I re- I recommend it too. Yeah. I would think so. No, I, I might eventually get a pair of chaps, but. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I got a chainsaw. <laughs> I was expecting it to be more expensive than it was. And it's not, like I said, I didn't buy a big one. I bought a 261 model, which I know you guys don't yeah, know nothing about it. But yeah, it's a it's probably a baby one compared to something Matt Cremona might have or something like that. But it's a the, the guy was like, this is the good all around saw. And everything I watched online. Everything said that's probably the saw for me to get. Now, how much so research and research did you do on the saw before you bought it? Mm. A couple mornings on the weekend. There you go. Till my wife woke up, woke up, and then I wasn't watching chainsaw stuff anymore. <laughs> 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 but yeah, yeah, that's cool. Something different, but yeah, that's the tool for me this week. I saw the, I saw the pictures of that that demo you're doing in your kitchen. That place that place oh, yeah. is a real we freaking mess, okay. man. We went and bought this house. I walked in there. I saw that. I'm like, this is gonna be bad. Some of this stuff, and some of it is. And it looks like a well. At least that part of the house has a lot of it. How much? How much I, is electrical I, is gonna have to be replaced? All of it. Um, I plan on doing a majority. You know what? From what I can see, it doesn't look like there's all junction boxes everywhere, right? Like the whole new section of the house, the newer section, has everything run to the box. It's just done really half half done, right? Um, which it just looks like I could just clean everything up and tighten it up into the box. But the rest of the older house, I'm going to replace all that anyways. I have a feeling it's all... Uh, Not been too paper paper no not knob and two i i have a feeling it's all paper wire mm-hmm. so might have been done back in the 50s <laughs> so who knows i i did notice that uh now that i'm getting into it it looks like there is drywall on the downstairs and upstairs walls or downstairs walls but it looks like they did the drywall over the plaster lath mm-hmm. which is a way of that was a way of doing it for the lead paint that they would just mm-hmm. cover over everything. And then everything is kosher, but not good for me. A lot more work. That just means, and like I said, I took one of the cabinets off of the wall. It must've had 20 screws that none of the screws come out because when you screw in the drywall, nothing will back a screw back out. So it was all in drywall screws. And then they put the stone around it and then it was wedged between the stone <laughs> A backsplash and then the, the soffit above it. A real a <laughs> it real quality like, job. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, probably yeah. the same guys that <laughs> built my house. Yeah. Uh, 
That means they're traveling. Yeah, they were traveling. That's good. (laughs) I took out the oven and then there was a cabinet next to it. There was no screws in that. It just moved right out. It was was in, it was just wedged in there. So yeah. uh, Did you find any uh, dead rodents behind the cabinets? No, luckily I didn't. I haven't. That's, that's usually what I've, what I've found when when doing stuff like that. The, the pergo flooring on the ceiling came right off once you pulled one piece it, it would come right down they just nailed it they nailed on pergo flooring to the ceiling which luckily <laughs> but it will come down in sheets like four rows at a time would just come down when you pull one one section so that came out they easily. put flooring but, on the ceiling yep pergo flooring on the ceiling yeah is that a thing did i miss that somewhere it, it, it uh, we all did i think it's there they have it <laughs> It didn't look good, so it's it's not a fad. I hope. Wow. But well, yeah, I pulled that off, and then <laughs> there's OSB on the ceiling, which is what they were nailing it to, right? But for some reason, they decided in two little sections they were going to use uh, drywall tape. The the what is the screen stuff? Mm-hmm. Not the actual paper tape. There's two sections with that on there, and I'm like, what's that doing? And then they must have decided it wasn't worth it. Pretty interesting. It's a crazy world we live in. Yeah. So I I have a pick of the week for video. Okay. So for for videos, I thought it was very interesting. This past week, I watched a video by a gentleman named Mike Farrington. And Mm -hmm. he did a video online called Carpentry Tool Organizations. And uh, he used sustainers and he made it all work for his tools that he used for on site as well, except a compressor, which I thought was pretty cool setup, especially for people who may need to travel with their tools. And uh, it was very informative and I thought it was a different new view towards tool storage. I'm going to throw out there a podcast, Ian, a new one, uh, the Woodworkers Podcast. Yeah. The- with uh, Ben, Phil, and Roman. Ramon. Ramon. Um, Ramon. Ramon. Yeah, with the with three, three R's. R's. Yeah, I can't do the R. I can't roll it. We'll get Friday to say that. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, they're a bunch of good guys. I mean, they, those guys all do phenomenal work, and the show is pretty yeah, good. It so is. Give them a follow or, or just a listen. And I yeah, like I've, it. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm two to episodes guys. in, and it's, they're, they're good. Good luck yeah. to them. It's a good podcast. It'll be a ish. It'll continue to get better and better, and it'll awesome. Well, for for me this week, I found a, a YouTube channel. It doesn't he doesn't have a ton of videos up, but he's got three or four projects that I thought were really interesting and very well done. The channel is called Slovenian Woodworker. I guess he's somewhere in the uh, Eastern European area, but he does some, he's got some basic projects. He's done like a cutting board and stuff like that, but he's also done a couple very um, artsy modern pieces and uh, Mm kind of cool. Check it, check it out. I recommend it. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I figured I'll throw it in here. How about Patreon? Patreon. We did have a, a new Patreon 
patron since our last time. And that's, we did. Yes, John Zahurik. Thank you, John. Thank you, yeah, John. It's kind of cool. We hadn't had one in a couple of weeks. So you guys need to get out there and you know sign up for this. Anyways, so but yeah. I would like to thank all our uh, top supporters. We've got Tab Adams, Larry Grobner, Chris Larson, Peter Escobedo, Eric Cole, Carrie Darden, Cole Roberts, Sean Raymakers, and John Ross. Thanks, guys. Uh, it, it, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It helps. Um, we probably have to figure out this month's show, don't we? Here shortly for them. Patreon yes. only show. Okay. All right. Uh, I wanted to also throw out there if you guys wouldn't mind, the listeners, going over to iTunes and giving us a rating. A good I'm rating. Sure, it's going to be five stars. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be five stars. But, and then I wanted to suggest uh, not only do that, but also while you're there, go give another podcast one. So, kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I just thought that'd be yeah, a good idea. Freddie, where can you be found this week? This week, you can be found at <laughs> the Period Craftsman, crafts with an S and men with an E. dot com. dot com. Guy. Uh, guyswoodshop.com you can find me at jdfinewoodworking at gmail.com or you can find all of us at the ATG podcast and our email is the ATG podcast at gmail.com later we'll see you see ya you know Justin maybe what we should be doing it's automatically press record and then insert the beginning.